Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, uh, it's been a while. Sorry about that, friends. I needed to take some me time, and it was glorious. But now I'm back, and I am having a latte from my favorite place since I'm kind of getting back into the groove of going places. Kinda, not really. Um, I'm going to work, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say hi. I'm back. Just took a break. Holidays are crazy for me because it's my birthday, and then it's Halloween, and then it's busy for my soap business, and farmer's markets are done, but now I have holiday markets, so... Um, yeah, I just did one of those yesterday. It was awesome. And I will continue to do those and make soap all day long. But first, I'm giving you a podcast. Um, I did get lots and lots and lots of feedback on the last few episodes. Thank you very much for those that did. Also, thanks for the new follows on Facebook and Instagram and all the new downloads. This is pretty awesome. It may not seem like a big number, but I have about 5,000 downloads right now, which is pretty amazing to me. Like I said, I don't do this for money. I do this for fun. And it's nice that people are actually listening. That being said, if you like this podcast, please leave me a four or five star review. If you don't, please don't bother to leave your hateful words on a podcast because I don't have time for that. You need to be good humans and not horrible ones. And if you're a horrible one, you need to keep it in your brain. Like I tell my preschoolers. So I'm going to keep it moving. If you would like to follow this podcast on Instagram, it's Lattes and Legends. On Facebook, it is Lattes and Legends Podcast. 
Awesome. So really fast, I wanted to talk to you guys about some podcasts that I'm listening to. Hmm. Sorry, I had to sip my coffee. Uh, so from the people that brought us um, Disgraceland and the 27 Club, There's No Dead and Gone, I really like this podcast because it's all about um, the Grateful Dead and about murders or disappearances that have things to do with the Grateful Dead, not per se like the Grateful Dead murdered these people. But for instance, there was these two guys that were found dead and the only things on them were Grateful Dead tickets or a Grateful Dead shirt. And so it's just the counterculture um, that goes along with that. And because I love the Grateful Dead it's and true crime, it's very interesting to me. Um, of course, I've been listening to a lot of um, full body chills. I just love it. It's just scary stories. And when I'm at my soap shop doing inventory, I turn it on and it just like freaks me out. Um, yeah, so you should listen to those. I'm watching The Queen's Gambit right now. Oh, it's so good. Um, I was going to start Mandalorian, but Queen's Gambit popped up and I'm not one to binge because I find so little time to watch TV um, or my tablet, I should say. So it's nice to kind of unwind at the end of the night and watch a little bit of Queen's Gambit. So I think I'm on like episode three, but it's really good. You should check it out. Um, what else? That's about it. Um, I decided that I would dive back into cursed movies because when I did my little stint on cursed movies, first off, I love that stuff. Love, love, love love. Secondly, there was one I didn't do and I legitimately shocked myself that I did not cover this movie because not only is this one of my favorite movies of all time, I dove into the curse curses about this movie probably when I was like 15 or 16. I heard about this stuff and I knew that I had to look into it. Um, Although when I was 15 or 16, it was really hard to just turn on Google and look it up because guess what? The internet sucked when I was 15 years old. I had to wait till my mom got off the phone so I could connect to AOL or Prodigy or whatever um, internet provider my grandfather had at the time. And then if somebody had to use the phone, God forbid, I had to log off. So when I was asking Jeeves when I was 15 about this movie, man, I really got obsessed. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the curse of the wizard of Oz. All right, here we go with the curse of the wizard of Oz. So, my sources for this podcast are time.com, cbc.ca, irishexaminer.com, cheatsheet.com, entertainment.howstuffworks.com, screenrant.com, vanityfair.com, getpocket.com, 
creepypasta.com and at the end I have a creepypasta to um, share. So when I was in college, we did the whole um, Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz thing. You probably know what state of mind I was in if that's what we were doing in college. So I'm going to leave it at that. So the big thing with that was all of my friends talking about how there was a scene in the Wizard of Oz that you could see a munchkin hanging himself that started a spiral. And then today when I was looking at my research for this, I thought about that moment and how we would rewind it and fast forward, rewind it and fast forward and pause and all that. Hey guys, when I was in college, we still had VCRs. Let that roll around. Uh, anyway, so that urban legend does get picked up in my notes up from today, but I'm going to start with just the history of The Wizard of Oz. So August 15th, 1939 was the premiere of this classic film. If you don't know anything about The Wizard of Oz, you should learn. Um, so the story is about a tornado that hits Kansas and it transports a girl named Dorothy, who's played by Judy Garland, to this wonderful magical place, yes, called Oz. And then she has to go on this journey to track down the wizard so she can get home. Um, basically, she meets tons of, not tons, she meets friends and has to fight off witches and then meets a good witch and then there's munchkins. Why am I explaining this to you? You've probably seen it and you're like, Misty, stop. Just talk about the movie. All right, let's do it. So MGM was making this film, and this was before MGM clearly was the mega um, film studio that is today. They spent about $3 million on making the film, which in today's money is about $55 million. What inspired this movie was the big success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, Disney had a huge success with it then, and MGM was like, we have to do this. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The film did win two Academy Awards. One was for Best Song, was Over the Rainbow, and the other... Uh, Best original song. Yeah, I don't know what the other one was, but it did get nominated for Best Picture, which it did not win Best Picture. It got nominated for Best Cinematography, Art Direction, and Special Effects. So, yeah. Commercially speaking, it did pretty well when it was released, uh, but it made even more money when CBS decided to air it for the first time on television on November 3rd, 1956. Um, funny story, Wizard of Oz is one of the only movies that's aired every single year on television. So by 1967, Time Magazine declared that it was the most popular single film property in the history of U.S. television. And this movie also 
is what made Judy Garland a, quote, national legend. All right, so a little bit more background. If you don't know, Wizard of Oz is based on a book by Frank Baum. Um, the book is called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The first book only sold 10,000 copies. However, in 1956, it was made public domain um, and it sold more than 3 million copies. The poster for the musical of The Wizard of Oz um, is part of the Library of Congress now and it was printed in 1903 uh, when it was a play at the Chicago's, at Chicago's Grand Opera House. So in 1903, The Wizard of Oz Broadway production was also one of the most popular shows of its time. So book, play, Broadway show, movie, right? Everything started with bankruptcy, which is always a good sign. What do you guys think? I think so. Hmm. Hold on, coffee sip. Mm-hmm. Hollywood had once considered The Wizard of Oz very cursed. And um, to this day, some people that are still around, alive and kicking from that era still say that it's 100% still one of the most cursed films they've ever been part of or they've ever seen. Um, so MGM... Um, acquired the rights to the novel. And there were actually three film versions made even before the 1939 movie. So these movies clearly didn't do well. You can see lots of pictures and big screen images from these films before 1939. And I don't know, like there's one with the scarecrow and the girl that looks like Dorothy. And just, it just looks really funny to me. And I'll try to find that and post that on Instagram so you guys can see it. Um, the Wizard of Oz made its first dramatic foray as a vaudeville-style musical, um, which was basically like a traveling show around the country. And that started in 1902. There was an early silent film. And this was made by the Selig Polyscope company in 1910. Um, the story basically had nothing to do with the Wizard of Oz. Like the characters were loosely based on it, but those people, for the people that went to see it, they were like, yeah, this has nothing to do with the book by Frank Baum. So um, Frank Baum ended up declaring bankruptcy and he, um, he decided he wanted to start a movie studio of his own, <laughs> but he lost all of his fortune on The Wizard of Oz. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, in 1925, Hollywood was like, let's try it. Let's make a movie out of The Wizard of Oz. There was a super weird adaptation that made the Scarecrow the main character. Of course, this movie bombed. Critics and audiences were like, what? This is just, no. Um, and that bankrupted that studio. And so Hollywood was like, no, we're done. We, we've had bad luck with Wizard of Oz. This is not happening. 
So then MGM decided that they would make a musical and Technicolor. And that is the Wizard of Oz that we know today. All right, so now we're going to talk about the conditions on the set that the cast had to deal with. So the temperatures were super hot. Um, it was about 100 degrees on the set. And because they were filming in Technicolor, there were huge sets. There were cameras hidden all over the place. Elaborate lighting was needed. And some of the cast said it was suffocatingly hot. Harold Rawson, <clears throat> who's a cinematographer, said, quote, we had enormous banks of light overhead. We borrowed every unused arc light in Hollywood. It was brutally hot. People were always fainting and being carried off the set. Um, the director, Victor Fleming, would sometimes have to, like, cut because the actors could not handle it. Um, so, yeah. The costumes didn't help with the heat either. Actor Buddy Ebsen, who was originally cast as the Scarecrow, but Ray Bulger um, played the Scarecrow instead because he did not want to play the Tin Woodsman. So Ray Bulger said the mask was a porous, so you couldn't sweat. You couldn't breathe through your skin. You don't realize how much you breathe through your skin until you just can't do it. So every night when Ray Bulger would go into his makeup trailer, it took about an hour for the makeup people to peel off his mask. And by the end of filming the movie, he had these permanent lines around his mouth and his chin. And um, a lot of people say that's from his mask and makeup, just like the heat getting into his skin. Like, ugh. Mm. Um, actor Buddy Ebsen who was the first Tin Man, had a super serious reaction to the silver paint, and he ended up hospitalized because of it, and he had to leave the production. And, uh, so actor Jack Haley, who um, played the Tin Man after Epson, he didn't wear a mask, but they did pull his hair um, back flat and they put a rubber skin over his head and behind his ears. They covered his face with cold cream and coated the chalk-like substances on his face and then painted him white and silver. He said, quote, the idea of this white stuff was so close to my pores. So the silver paste that made me look like I was made of tin wouldn't damage my skin. They painted my face silver and they glued on a nose. Ooh. They glued on a strip of rubber that was supposed to be tin under my chin and glued each individual black rubber rivet on my face. They painted my lips black because painting my mouth silver would have made my mouth too red. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit more about Buddy Epson and the paint incident. So when MGM recast him, Epson woke up, quote, screaming from violent cramping in his hands, arms, and legs. When he had difficulty breathing, his wife called an ambulance and rushed him to the hospital. He remained in an oxygen tent for two weeks, recovering from the pure aluminum that he had ingested in his lungs. Mm. 
Guys, how fucked up is it that they used aluminum for this man's paint? Like, for real. For real. Science, science, science. We're so glad that you have come so far. Um, anyway, the studio was furious that he was taking this time off work. And so rather than being some sympathetic, they were like, um, hello, when are you coming back to work? So Epson said in his memoir, quote, they told me to get the hell back to work. Mm-mm, no. Um, when the studio was told that his skin had turned blue and that he could not return, they immediately replaced him with Jack Haley. So the makeup was changed after all this went down. It's, it still gave Haley a serious eye infection that he had to deal with as well. Fuck up shit, guys. Fuck up shit. Um, all right, so next we're going to talk about the Cowardly Lion. Okay, so the, Cowler- the, the Cowardly Lion costume, um, coincidentally enough, was actually made of a real lion hair. These were, you know, this was before the days of synthetic fur, and so they had to do something to make the costume look real. So they used real lion hair. There were lots of concerns um, about um, this. And come to find out, Bert Lahr um, wore just one costume during filming. Ooh, wonder who watched it. The costume apparently weighed about 90 pounds. So can you imagine that in the heat? Apparently he was one of the actors that was fainting and getting carried off um, the set. The costume ended up selling at an auction for $3 million in 2014. So if that was 1939, and someone bought the costume in 2014. Let's think about this. It's real fur, not synthetic. How how great of a condition do you think that's in? Because I am thinking that's gross. Um, well, that's just me. Moving on. Um, one of the most fucked up things that I read is about the snow that they used when they all fell asleep in the poppies. So clearly there was no CGI, you know, you couldn't make fake snow um, with a computer. So they used asbestos. Yeah. This, like, they literally doused the main characters of this movie and carcinogens. Let that roll around. Yeah. Not only did they use asbestos in the 1930s and 40s, that's what people used as their holiday decorations in their home. So, yeah, let that roll around. All right, let's talk about Margaret Hamilton, who played in The Wicked Witch of the West. 
And uh, apparently she went through some crazy, crazy turmoil. Um, she had to wear copper makeup. It was super toxic. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and she got some super bad burns on her skin as well. Ooh, I just realized something. I wanted to interject this fun fact. So remember at the beginning, I was talking about the munchkin hanging himself or herself. Um, apparently there's the scene when Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tin Man are skipping down the yellow brick road. They're singing, we're off to see the wizard. And then in the background, you can see something. So some people think that this moving figure is the munchkin that hung himself from a tree. But um, all of the articles I've read says it's one of the exotic birds that was borrowed from the zoo um, to help create like a wilderness setting. I think that's probably the truest story. When we have an idea that something is going to happen, especially in like a background of a movie, and we've never seen it before, our brain will kind of trick us to see that scene and go, oh yeah, that's totally a munchkin hanging himself. So now that you think it is an exotic bird, go back and watch it again. Um... And I'm going to do the same because it might really just be an exotic bird. All right. That's my little side note. Back to the witch. So <clears throat> there's a famous scene where the Wicked Witch of the West tries to set the scarecrow on fire. And then Dorothy ends up throwing a bucket of water on him, which that ends up melting the witch. Okay. So Hamilton, Margaret Hamilton, who played the witch, was never comfortable <clears throat> excuse me, setting um, the scarecrow on fire. She said, quote, after an earlier experience when my broom caught fire, it was almost too much for me. But I was assured that his suit was asbestos and there would be little danger of it catching on fire. Hmm. Turns out she should have been more concerned about herself because in order to capture the appearance of the Wicked Witch melting, a trap door was built into the studio floor, and Hamilton was lowered as dry ice in her dress gave the appearance of smoke. But in one take, the timing was way off, and the fire wasn't fully extinguished when she was lowered, which caused her green copper face paint to melt. Do melt on her face. This left the actress with third-degree burns. It took her about three months to recuperate from this injury, and she refused to shoot any retakes of the scene or others like it. So guess what? What you see on film right there? That really happened. Um, so apparently, um, some, some of the cast members and production crew wrote, quote, the fire was scalding her chin, the bridge of her nose, her right cheek, and the right side of her forehead. The eyelashes and eyebrow on her right eye had been burned off. Her upper lip and eyelid were badly burned. Oh, 
when she looked down, her skin had been burned off her hand. Incapacitated, a friend had to pick her up from the movie studio. And Hamilton was just like, what? A friend has to come pick me up? You're not sending me home in a limo or you're not calling an ambulance? Like, super fucked up. Real fucked up. Um, Even after about the six weeks it took her to recover, the nerves in her hands were still so exposed that she had to wear green gloves and not the makeup. Um, But she said she didn't want to sue... MGM because, quote, I wanted to work again. That is fucked up. Fucked up. Crazy thing about this is she got paid $35 for this. $35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fucked up? I'm glad we don't live in this era anymore. So let's talk about Judy Garland. Judy Garland, huh? She had quite the career, and it all started with Wizard of Oz. So she was suffering a lot during this movie. She was really young, and people that knew her knew that she was having a horrible time on the set she was 13 when she was cast and she was living pretty much like an indentured slave she was allowed one square meal a day they fed her barbiturates so she could keep up with the schedule and apparently when they thought she was gaining weight they made her smoke cigarettes to suppress her appetite and according to some that were on set she smoked about 80 cigarettes a day 80 she was 13 13 um, apparently wizard of oz completely damaged her as a human being for the rest of her life mm-hmm. um judy garland was married at least three times um her husband Um, wrote about how the munchkins would just bar hop. They also would, quote, make Judy's life miserable by putting their hands up under her dress. Hmm. But one of the um, production members said that there was never, ever any assault by munchkins on her, and that was just all hearsay. All right. Um, Judy Garland did say that the munchkins drank a lot, and it was really annoying, Um, and they had really rowdy behavior, and, like, yeah. So during the filming of The Wizard of Oz, her struggles with depression and eating disorder just got worse and worse. She claimed that the studio execs gave her uppers and then sleeping pills um, because they didn't think that she could keep up. She struggled with drug addiction and attempted suicide several times before she died of an accidental overdose in 1969 when she was just 47. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? 
what else? All right, so the curse of the movie was in full motion when it began. So, 1969, Judy Garland dies. Frank Morgan, who played the wizard, was in a serious car accident months after the film's release. His driver was killed. His wife was injured. 11 years later, he was cast as Buffalo Bill in Any Get Your Gun. And the day before filming began, he died in his sleep of a heart attack. Hmm. The story has another one. Claire Blandick, who played Auntie M, lived to be 81. However, in 1962, she overdosed on sleeping pills, having tried to suffocate herself with a plastic bag. And in her suicide note, she announced that she was embarking on the greatest adventure. Crazy. Right, so with all of that being said, I wanted to read a little of this creepy pasta about Return to Oz. Okay, you guys ever see this movie, Return to Oz? It's a pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And I'm going to talk about, maybe I won't read this creepypasta. Maybe I'll just tell you the link because it's really long. Um, yeah. So the link to this creepypasta about Return to Oz is creepypasta.org slash creepypasta slash return to Oz. Yeah, because it's too long. I can't do it. Um, and now all this talking of the Wizard of Oz makes me want to listen to Elton John. Um, I can play it for you, but of course I don't have the rights to Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Um, yeah, I think that was short and sweet. Sorry I didn't read the creepypasta. Like I said, that's too fucking long. Um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys their day. We got a little snow. We got a lot of rain last night, which is amazing, because we need it. Um, yeah. Hope everyone is happy, safe, and healthy. And that your day goes great. Happy Sunday. Happy week tomorrow. And I will talk to you guys next week. Promise, promise. Because I have nothing else to do on Sundays now. Hooray! Have a wonderful day. And friends, go watch Wizard of Oz. Cuddle up in a blanket. It's Sunday. I'm sure it's on TV somewhere. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 